Super to be with you, Merlin. It's uh, Hugh Agro from Revival Gold. I'm joined with uh, John Mayer, our VP Explo VP Development and Engineering, uh, and Steve Priestmeyer, our VP Exploration. And of course, Revival Gold is advancing the Bear Track Arnett Gold Project located in the Western United States. We've just put out a PFS and an updated resource and are happy to be with you today. Hugh, thank you very much for the introduction. Good to see you again. John, Steve, good to have you too. A big bit of news that you put out, a pre-feasibility study, um, <clears throat> and you put out a resource update. Lots to get into, lots of detail to um, uh, come away with. One of the things you lead with on the um, on the resource updates, the increased resources, is you, you are now over four... Um, four million ounces of gold combined in, um, um, in measured and indicated and inferred. But crucially, you've grown the, the heap leach um, project up to almost a million ounces now. Could um, your comments first perhaps on the, on the growth in the resource? Yeah, this is uh, second largest discovery of gold, uh, new discovery of gold in the United States in the last decade, 4.6 million ounces. 2.4 million ounces of that in the measured and indicated category, as you've said. 2.2 uh, million ounces of the inferred. But what's really exciting is the growth in uh, measured and indicated for the first phase heap leach aspect of this project. We're up uh, about two and a half times to uh, just about a million ounces of gold. And then, of course, our underground, which is where the next phase of the project comes from, we're now up to 900,000 ounces of gold. That's a three times increase from our prior resource just one year ago, uh, and with a one third increase in grade. So a lot of growth in resource from uh, today's, uh, from yesterday's announcement. Are you still drilling? Are you still exploring at the moment? Have you got the rigs turning? Steve, we're just about to get going on that, are we? Yeah, yeah we, um, we've got the rig on site. Um, we'll be uh, drilling tomorrow. And will, you be, will that be on the oxides? Uh, around yeah, um, Haiti, Haiti West, on the, to the northwest. Yes, the the focus this year will be in on exploration, for which is exciting because it's the first time we've really done exploration. Everything else has been focused on on uh, adding ounces to the resource. So we'll be drilling um, a variety of other targets on the uh, our net side, uh, trying to develop a pipeline, if you will, of projects that we can use to. Uh, build the resource base as we go forward. Sorry, when you say the Arnett side, is that the um, the eastern splare, uh, the eastern shear, or is it the, 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 the western zone with the heap leach? Um, it's um, the western um, side with the heap leach, yes. Yeah. Okay, thank you. So I, I always um, get confused between those two. Um, I, I will come back to the geology, particularly um, uh, of of the heap leach ounces. The, the market's really tough at the moment. Um, do you feel that the, the the focus of the company is very much on the bringing the and advancing the heap leach project um, um, as a priority, um, rather than running with the twin goals of doing the heap leach project and doing the uh, exploration on the kind of the bigger multi-million ounce resource? Yeah, look, I think that's an astute observation. Uh, the, the benefit of the Revival Gold and the Bear Track Garnett project, I think, is the flexibility that's embedded in that project. Um, in the first instance, we don't need to do anything. We keep a low burn rate, and we allow ourselves to uh, be, be flexible in, in the current market. Uh, spend wisely, finding costs of less than $6 an ounce in the ground, and GNA burn running at less than $2 million Canadian a year. So we have flexibility around market ups and downs. 
but embedded in the project is optionality as well. And and as you've alluded to, uh, we're marching forward with the Heap Leach project because it's low capital intensity, one of the lowest according to our numbers in the space. And it uh, is something that we can uh, leverage with existing infrastructure um, to to advance on a low risk basis. And I think that's a great way to march this, this company forward. We've got that exploration potential and we could continue to grow for the larger uh, mill phase of this project. But in the first instance, it's the heap leach, uh, open pit heap leach that we're focused on. And the PFS is, of course, all focused on that. Well, let's let's look at um, some of the numbers around that because um, the, the PFS is for the restart. Um, it's for a heap leach operation. Um, you've got um, $109 million of pre-production capex and an all-in sustaining cost of uh, $12.35. Um, and you've given numbers at um, a kind of a midpoint at 1800 gold um but you know the gold price is above 1900 and so if i just let's let's just refer to the 1900 dollar um gold numbers today i'm sure that'll suit you fine but it gives an npv after tax uh on a five percent discount rate of 130 uh 38 million dollars um and a good kind of a healthy IRR of just under thirty um, percent, which is attractive. You know, it, it's always good to see that IRR um, in the th- with starting with a three. I know you've given the numbers twenty nine point five, but if you round it up, it starts with a three. Perhaps John, um, tell me about that 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 capex figure of one hundred nine million dollars. Just kind of kind of break it down, and um, in particular, when does it? When do you start measuring that number? <laughs> Well, that is uh, that is pre-production capital, Marilyn, uh, directly associated with the project. It's 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 not a feasibility study, uh, for instance, or or permitting costs. But um, I I think what's most important I like to comment on capex is you know as you know um, you know we're we're a, a restart uh, we're we're not we're not a greenfield project and. And what's important about that is uh, things like, a, you know, an access route that's construction operational ready, power line out to site, an ADR plant and building that's already there. It means that most of our capex uh, goes into uh, things that are, are, in our view, less a lot less uh, capital risk. Uh, it's because it's in a lot of mechanical equipment. So what you see, it, we're very heavy on our, our mining costs, mining equipment. Um, mechanical equipment by way of our crushing circuits and and our or um, or, or uh, um, conveyance system, and then mechanical equipment uh, that's that that's needed inside the plant. So w- where we're not heavy, which is where we view the biggest risk to be on capital, is in earthworks and um, and in pre strip. So. So we're we're low in those areas, and th- those are higher risk areas. So uh, you know we feel the capex is is uh, we're, we're confident in the capex, and we've been able Sorry, to keep control. When when you talk about um, risk, you're talking about kind of budget risk. So just the cost of it yeah. um, rising. Yes. There's also another ele- element of risk as well in execution and kind of technical risk. Um, so of the things that you've listed, it seems to me that the um, the crushing circuit and the conveyance system have kind of have got the highest uh, kind of execution or technical risk. Is that a well, fair well, comment? Well, I, I suppose you know you you might say that. However, you know, even a crushing circuit is very simple. It's a mobile crusher. It's it's a virtually off the shelf uh, product. 
Uh, so it's 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 not uh, the previous operation um, used a stationary crusher. Uh, we've gone with a mobile just because of the convenience and flexibility of that. And of course, you know that that again is a pretty low risk uh, piece of equipment in terms of capital overrun. So so it comes um, you kind of pre bought pre pre um, pre made. It's not a um... It's not a large bit of civil um, engineering that you're required to build. That's right. It's it's very simple. It essentially arises at site on the back of a truck. And what what you're really uh, focused to do is prepare a foundation for that mobile equipment. So it's it's very simple by comparison to a stationary crushing circuit. Yeah, just to just to jump in, Merlin. Um, if you think about it from the point of view of a of a lender. And we're already engaged with uh, various lenders on the potential for debt financing on this project. But if you look at it from a lender's point of view, first of all, we're in the Western United States. So this is a secure jurisdiction, low low risk of, uh, of investment. Secondly, as John's pointing out, with this being uh, uh, movable mobile equipment, there isn't a lot of risk around us digging a hole or creating a road that can't be removed and reused or redeployed elsewhere. So from a bank's point of view, from a lender's point of view, this is low risk stuff. And finally, I'd say, it's not like we're inventing something new here. This is not a special sauce. Comes off the back of a truck, again, as John said, we're not inventing something new on this project because it's been used and it's been proven before. It's a process and an approach that's been proven. We don't have to worry about some strange chemistry set on a new process uh, for this ore. It's, uh, this is something that's worked before, worked very well, and uh, we're basing a lot of our, our PFS analysis on that past history and experience. Let, let, um, let's talk about the, the chemistry kit, because I, I see in your presentation you talk about a, an average ore recovery of 62%, but that, that's a mix of mixed material, transition ore, oxide, and sulfide material. You must get very different uh, metallurgical recoveries from uh, those three ore types. Um, I, I, I'd love to a bit more detail on that, please. Sure, I, I could comment on that, Marlon. Um, so, you know, the, the material at Bear Track, which is is the area that we start uh, mining, um, it, it's it's quite similar in behavior to the previous uh, material that was mined at, at Bear Track. Um, we, we do have, uh, we're, do we're predominantly oxide. The project is predominantly oxide uh, to the tune of about 80% uh, of the material is oxide. And then a 20% material, 20% of that material is made up of about 15% uh, transition and then about 5% uh, sulfide. So it, it's obviously the transition and sulfide materials that do bring uh, the overall net recovery down. But, uh, you know, the the, the previous operation did also uh, process all three of those materials. So this is not a stranger to this flow sheet or this process. And uh, so so it's it's very similar in that regard. Obviously, the, the Haiti deposit, however, is is strongly oxidized to depth and and it's it's much more consistent metallurgical behavior when compared to kind of those three different materials at Bear Track. How, how much of the resource is at Haiti? Um, about, um, I think about 40% is Haiti and about 60% is bear trap. When you, when you say it's much more strongly oxidized and it's got a kind of a more consistent metallurgical kind of characteristics or properties th through it, um, what, what what kind of recoveries do you expect from the Haiti oxides or the or the um, the Arnett oxides kind of as a, as a, as a general 
grouping? We're we're currently projecting eighty percent, eighty six percent recovery uh, of the of the Haiti material. Yeah, that's good. That's that's that's. Um, Steve, go and find more. Go go and find more of that stuff, please. Well, in fact, it, you know the news it gets maybe a little bit better than that. Really, um, our crushing circuit is designed to 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 mimic. Uh, the bear track uh, previous operation in terms of general overall crush size, because we know that that's worked, and our testing has verified that that crush size is appropriate uh, for bear track, which is where we start. Um, but what our testing also showed us is that that the the Haiti material is relatively insensitive uh, to crushing, and so um, there's there's a strong likelihood that that we're probably crushing uh, too fine. Uh, for the Haiti material, and that we can back that off a bit, and that gives us uh, opportunities uh, to reduce opex and potentially increase throughput. So I, I think that we've got more work to do. Just, just to get my head around this, um, when you when you were talking about the mobile crusher earlier, are you going to have two crushing systems, one at um, Bear Track and one at Arnet, or is it all the all going to be trucked to a central um, crushing area? near the plant it it is uh you know at the present time that's what makes the most sense uh to to basically have a centralized uh, facility at bear track what we do do is um because we've got a mobile crusher because you know it can be moved um pretty easily we start with the crusher closer to the bear track area kind of on that uh eastern side of the, of the project and then when we move over to haiti we we, we move it about a mile uh, to the west to get closer to the the Arnett uh, and you know drainage and and the Haiti ore body to reduce trucking uh, from that side of things. So we do relocate the crusher um, after after the first five years of operation. Just in terms of you've got, you've got an eight year um, kind of mine life planned at the moment. Surely, uh, sorry, um, I, I was um, just thinking while I'm thinking, if you know what I mean, thinking while I'm speaking. Um, presumably, you've put the, the starter pit where you get the greatest return. Um, when, I, when I think of the lower recoveries from bear track, I probably haven't accounted for grade. So, the, so presumably, the, the, the bear track pits are probably slightly higher grade, so you get more bang for your buck um, starting in the east rather than starting in the west. That, that's right. We, we, we start with low strip ratio uh, pits and, and grade. Um, there's there's also the issues of the sustaining costs associated or or with the capex uh, sustained with getting out to Haiti um, it does require a new haul road whereas we don't require new haul roads on the bear track side so um, we we do we do avoid some additional uh, capex by starting at bear track as well so it's a combination of, of things that make sense to start at bear track. Well, I noticed in your PFS that the the numbers are, are very consistent from the PEA, but the the one big delta was the um, the sustaining capex. I mean, because you've done a remarkable job of keeping your pre-production capex and it, kind of everything is 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 pretty much kind of nailed down, which is remarkable given the inflation. But the that delta comes through in the sustaining capex because it jumps from sixty one to a hundred million dollars. Could you just kind of um, flesh that out, please? Sure, I I think that that. There's a couple of, of reasons. Uh, of course, the devil's in the details, uh, but um, mining equipment has increased in price, certainly, over, over, over the past several years. And so um, a big part of that sustaining capex is in the mining fleet. So you'll see that as the biggest component of, in the increase in sustaining capex. Um, the, the other issue is, of course, 
when you do a PEA, you don't have uh, you know detailed water balance. Uh, understand uh, some of those things in as much detail as you do at a pre-feasibility level, and and we do have a better understanding of the water balance having completed a pretty comprehensive uh, um, balance. And what we did need is some additional infrastructure, pond, a new pond associated with Haiti. Those things uh, creep in also to add additional sustained capex. The haul road uh, out to Haiti did also go up in price relative to the PEA. So those are the three big areas uh, associated with that sustaining cap. Uh, Hugh, you, when I spoke to you um, before this was published, kind of a month ago or so, you were a little bit cautious about the kind of the capex figures, but you must be pleased with with what's actually come back here. It's kind of you were you were being very conservative in your thought process. Um, your comments, please. Yeah, so I, mean, I think this is it illustrative of the team we really try hard to uh, you know manage uh, our our business in a in a conservative manner that we can deliver on uh, because we fully intend to put this operation you know into production and we want to we want to deliver to our plants so when it came to the PEA uh, you may remember at 2020 we had 40 percent of our PEA capital cost in contingency and owner's costs and that was because at a PEA level, you never, you know, you never can do the detail of, of engineering work and study work and costing uh, that comes through in the PFS. But you know that there are going to be things that were un, unseen at the time. And I would say that, you know, you roll forward to this PFS. Uh, the numbers are very consistent because we, we made allowance for the expectation that there would be things like a, a pond, a settlement pond required at Haiti that we hadn't uh, thought about in the earlier PEA plan. And... I'm mentioning all this because I think that rolls forward going, you know, going to the future. Uh, John and the team have done an outstanding job of well, thinking in terms of how we're going to build this and doing this in a manner that's going to fit with, uh, you know, delivering to expectations. And uh, the same thing on the exploration side. You know, when we first came to this project, I think, Steve, you were thinking about uh, something in the order of two or three million ounces. Uh, we delivered 3 million ounces in 2000 and, uh, in 2019, uh, 2020 kind of time frame. Um, we're at 4.6 million ounces now. And, and I bet you, if we were to ask Steve where he, where he thinks it, uh, is going to go, uh, he'd give you a big number, but he's, uh, still holding something in reserve. This is a big project with a lot of potential. Interesting. Now, when I wrote out my list of questions to ask you, a lot of the focus was going to be on um, exploring for ounces around Haiti because I kind of thought that the um, the oxide element of it, the, the, the kind of open pit nature of it, was going to be kind of a high margin, kind of easily recoverable ounce. N- now that I understand the scheduling slightly better, in a sense that takes away the urgency to explore for the oxides around Haiti, doesn't it not? Uh, I, I, I would say no. I, I, you know, that, that is our priority. Um, because if you think about this, generating $40, $50 million a year of free cash flow, um, that's, that's more than our current market cap in one year. Uh, so if, if Steve and the exploration team can put another two, three, four years on the back end of the heap leach, when we've got such low capital intensity to get going in the first place, uh, that's all. Uh, that's all. That all goes to the bottom line, um, and uh, it, it can have a huge impact 
on the underlying value of the company. And we haven't even started to talk about the mill phase of this project and what we can do there. D- just remind me, so it's um, what, what's your kind of targeted resource that's going to be mined in the in this PFS? Well, the, the resource, you know, like currently as it stands, um, is is a is is eight year uh, life. Um, if you want to know where we target, of course, you know, I, I, we we'd all like to see it. And so when Hugh says that we don't really want to take our foot off gas in terms of exploration, I I think that that's that's valid. I mean, I I think we'd like to add a couple of years uh, to the mine life. I, I I'd like to see us add. A couple years i don't think it uh, i don't think any of us feel that that that's going to be unreasonable to do and i think it, you know you're going to see the numbers really shine uh if you can add uh you know some years to mine life you think the numbers look good now i i think they look a whole lot better with a 10 or 12 year mine life and i think that that is very much with within our graphs and just just if i kind of get my head around it um you're looking at producing sixty-five thousand ounces per annum for um, for eight years, which is 520,000 ounces produced. And if you have a recovery of 62%, that's um, just about 840,000 ounces of your kind of resource that gets, that gets, that gets mined. Um, so you're yeah, saying... Yeah, yeah, Mer- Merlin, yeah. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, sorry to cut, cut you off here, but you're absolutely right. The resource right now is a million ounces. The mine plan of proven and probable that is in the PFNs is about 840, 850,000 ounces, of which we're producing about 525,000 ounces of gold. So you can see the leverage in, in, in this. Um, to that existing mine plan, we already have a, uh, a year or two of additional resource. And I think what John is saying, it's not going to be too difficult for us to go to 10-year mine life. Uh, over the course of the next couple of years, uh, I, I don't see that being a problem at all. And in fact, I think with some of the targets that I'm uh, itching to have Steve talk to you about, uh, we can get it out to uh, perhaps a 12-year mine life. There's just open deposits, open targets, and uh, and 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 the drilling's underway. Well, I, I come back to um, something that you said earlier. You said um, that the discovery cost is at $6 an ounce. Um, and even in this terrible gold market, you're, um, you're valued at $8 an ounce. So <laughs> you're, it's still worth it. It's still worth finding ounces. So, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Steve, I, um, let's, let's, let's hear from you. Um, open pitable ounces, please. Um, as many as possible in as short as time as possible. Where do you start? Basically, we have targets that are at three different stages of um, advancement, if you will. We have targets that are in the immediate area of the current Haiti resource. We're going to test those to give us an idea what the expansion potential is in that area. And in, in that, that's an important focus for us because mineralization is open both up dip and down dip, and we're going to be drilling in those areas this summer, and that will give us um, and an, that will guide us in next year's drilling to add ounces to the resource. We have other targets, for example, Roman's Trench, where which has some historical RC drilling in it, and the indication of higher grades of oxidized material. We're going to be drilling. We're going to be starting there. We're going to be drilling a few holes in there to test that to see what that looks like, with the intention of being able to go in 
next year and start to move that forward as well. And then we have one target that is a conceptual target. Uh, it's an idea that we've put together from soil sampling, geophysics, and a variety of other things. And that, that's purely conceptual. We'll put a few holes into that. So the idea is to be able to move things forward at different stages, but all with the goal of adding uh, leachable ounces to the resource. Is that third target? Is that covered? Is that why it's, um, it's conceptual? Well, it's, it's partially covered. It's covered by metasedimentary rocks. So the, cons the, the target is a fault based on geophysics. We have a soil anomaly there. And then also the contact of the intrusive with the quartzites uh, is sort of the target area, and that's not really exposed. And th is, is that the same kind of geological setting that's the, where the other oxides are found at Haiti West and at Roma's Trench? It, 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 um, all of the mineralization that we uh, have identified to date at Arnett is located within the Arnett Intrusive Complex. This would be in the intrusive complex, but along what uh, appears to be a brecciated contact with the uh, Proterozoic quartzites. So it, it's it's sort okay, of a so, hybrid target. But with plenty of um, a good kind of fracture system and kind of um, um, space creation where precipitation may have occurred. Yeah. yeah. And weathering. Yes. And, and if you look at the, if you just look at the footprint of the target, it's approximately equivalent to the footprint of the Haiti target. So it's a sizable target. It's If you combine the geophysics and the geochemistry, it's a sizable all, target. All your exploration work is budget dependent. Um, but presumably you've also got targets on the on the bear track trend and down to the south and at depth and um, kind of in between. Um, you presumably got a kind of a, a, a priority list uh, on, on, on that bear track trend as well. Well, we know that the mineralization at Joss is open at depth and to the south. We know the mineralization is open at depth in other areas and to the north. The higher grades are on the southern end. Um, uh, the map you can see on the wall behind me is a recent map uh, that came out from the Idaho Geological Survey. They have a slightly different interpretation of the geology than we had originally based on our geophysics. And that's opened up some new targets for us to the south, given us some new concepts to test. We'll be uh, initiating that work um, now that the rain stopped and everything's dried out. We'll be doing some soil sampling uh, in preparation to advance those targets. But there are some targets to the south that are, are quite compelling. Um, yeah, around the kind of the rabbit areas. Kind of yes, that's nice, right. In the rabbit area from Joss to the south into the rabbit area. And, and Merlin, just to just to add to that, um, you know, if, if you think about the growth of the Joss zone, you know, up three times with this resource update, uh, the Joss and the South Pit Underground, uh, these are prolific areas, right? It doesn't take a lot of drill holes to, to, to add a lot of ounces and not just not just add ounces, but bring grade up because as we add uh, the density to the drilling, it improves our geological modeling and our ability to, uh, to you know, to refine the underground model. And I want to emphasize that this is not narrow vein sort of stuff. This is three to 25 meters horizontal thickness in the resource. Um, so uh, obviously we've got, um, you know, a lot of interest from majors around that. And I think, you know, as, the, as, as, as things progress, um, we will definitely be doing more work in the, uh, in the Joss area and along the broader bear track trend to uncover that uh, opportunity. Uh, that's a good point that Hugh makes uh, is that the, the, 
we have something like 30 drill holes in the from the south end of the south pit down to the southern end of Joss. So the drilling is wide spaced and there's a lot of room in there to to um, refine the model and to expand the resource. I think it's important to understand that. There's no doubting the geological potential. Hugh, what I'm kind of concerned about is the how do you how do you get the market's attention? You know, your market capitalization is fifty million dollars. You've halved the share price has halved in the last four months. Um, what what do you do apart from um, stress about it? <laughs> you know, what what positive actions can you take? Well, I I think the first thing to do is to recognize that there's um, you know there's there's the market, there's the 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 marginal trade in the shares, and there's what's going on more broadly with our discussions with corporates, strategic uh, investors long-term, um, you know, long-term sources of capital, of which there are many. Um, and I think those guys are very active. I mean, we've got a very active data room. Uh, we've just passed over an important milestone here with a new block model, a new resource, um, a, a new pre-feasibility study, and all the analysis that's behind that. And, uh, you know, you can bet your bottom dollar that we've got a, a lot of interested parties in that. So, Yes, it's true that at the margin in the retail market in the summer, uh, you know, with uh, with continued Fed hiking in, in you know being the topical of the day, uh, the re- the marginal retail investor isn't there. But I'm telling you, the strategics are there, and they're looking around trying to figure out how they're going to bolster their pipelines uh, for the future. And they're making uh, a lot of cash flow at uh, you know 1950 gold. Uh, they uh, are running out of resources and reserves, and projects like this in a really good jurisdiction are precious. Uh, this is, as I mentioned on the outset, second largest new discovery of gold in the last decade. And by the way, we've done that in just six years, from zero to 4.6 million ounces. So this is a special deposit. It's got a lot of potential, and I'm not uh, at all concerned about the ability to fund uh, exploration in the future or the pockets of capital out there that can come and assist. Yes, on the margin, our share price trades around. But the question is, are we delivering value for our shareholders? Are we adding to the uh, exploration potential, de-risking the project? Do we have the flexibility to carry forward in a tough market? And I'd say the answer is yes to all those questions. And and yet, and yet, and yet, I think the, the one of the concerns about a um, kind of a a junior or kind of exploration and development company is balance sheet and perhaps the the share price movement of the last four months was a combination of things but included the 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 fact that your cash balance was kind of um low and that um you know maybe finding a way to take a strategic investment maybe to do a kind of a project level deal which reduces some of your funding um liabilities to to get some kind of um Either reduced burden, or reduced um, increased ability to to meet the the capital requirements because your development pipeline is it's um, production in twenty twenty eight with con- um, construction and commissioning you know ahead of that. Um, you know it's it's quite a long way out. Would you agree that balance sheet strength is a, is a kind of a critical factor in the in the near term? Look, I don't disagree. We are in a, we are an exploration and development company. We consume capital and we'll need more of it. Uh, current cash balance sits at about 4.5 million, which is sufficient to take us through our programs this year and into the start of next. Uh, so we will need more capital. Uh, but we've passed an important milestone here. 
Um, I think there's lots of interest in the project. Um, we do have, uh, you know, we do have 40% uh, institutional shareholding. Uh, in fact, our last financing was done uh, by uh, a, a number of our existing shareholders and others. And so I don't think this is going to be a situation where, you know, we run out of capital to continue to progress the project. The question is, how quickly can we move it forward? And that will depend on uh, longer-term pools of capital. Uh, and, and yes, uh, it's top on our minds to go out and, um, and, 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 and bring that additional capital into play. I'll tell you, you know, over the, over the fall uh, and, and into, the, into the start of this year, uh, our share price was uh, moving quite nicely. We did have a hiccup with um, one of the um, one of the uh, shareholders that um, acquired their shares through the acquisition of uh, uh, Yamana. That's Pan American, uh, looking to liquidate all juniors in order to pay down debt that was associated with that uh, Yamana purchase. Uh, they were in the market selling shares. That took us down. I suspect there's still a block of shares left from Pan American to go. Um, but these are these are things that are short-term things, and I would say that more broadly, if we look at the uh, the universe of corporates and bigger pools of capital out there, uh, we've got lots of alternatives. We've looked at a number of uh, things in the past, and we continue to look going forward, always with a view to optimize returns for our equity investors, of which all three of us. Uh, are a big, you know, are a big and meaningful part. Yeah, no, um, thank you. Um, re really interesting. Um, just in terms of timelines, you, you've always been quite conservative in your timelines. Um, some people might kind of get a little bit spooked at kind of five years to production or four and a half years to production, which is um, what that is. Is there any way that you can, um, um, if you're going to get the wind in the right direction, kind of com compress that? Or is, is that timeline driven by... Uh, conservative take on permitting um, um, and any ways to kind of um, bring that forward? Yeah, look, I'd say it's a realistic uh, outlook from where we stand right now. We're always looking to optimize and, and improve on our plans and, uh, and our approach. Um, I think it, you've got to put this into perspective, right? We're talking about a deposit in the Western United States. Uh, if from a greenfield site or even from a, a brownfield site that's been closed, you're looking at permitting timelines that are five to 10 years. So in reality, this is actually a relatively low risk, uh, relatively you know, quick pace of moving to a construction decision and ultimately you know, getting into production. Uh, it does take time. And it's all the more reason why I think you're going to see the majors and the intermediates, companies like even Barrick, who are today contemplating getting into the copper business because they can't find uh, enough ounces to, you know, replace reserves at a 20-year low in terms of their uh, production um, and, and, and scrambling to try and find ways to uh, fill their cupboards, uh, looking for projects like this one. And um, uh, it, it's, 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 it's the case that, uh, you know, society generally does not appreciate how long it takes to put these projects into production and it makes them all the more scarce and all the more valuable. Hugh, I completely agree. Thank you, gentlemen, um, all of you for your time. It's been a fascinating session. We, I think we should stop it there. Um, but um, I look forward to we, what we haven't talked about, Hugh, is the um, 
kind of the, the, the immediate plans of what you're going to be doing and um, how you're going to be taking it forward. Perhaps we can do the, another session in, in a few months, um, you know, when you've got a bit more clarity once the dust has settled on, on, on this um, PFS. Thank you, Merlin. Thank you. Thanks.